Hebrews chapter 10, and as I read, there are going to be some pictures that show up on the screen. We do this here at Woven because as a church, our vision is to sanctify culture, is to sanctify Monday to Friday, and to even sanctify art, secular art, because we believe God lives and breathes in everything. He sanctifies all things and makes it all holy. So as I read these scriptures, reflect, let the artwork behind me fire your imagination and bring to life the words of scripture. Hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brethren and sistren, you can apply that to speak to both men and women. Therefore, Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so straightaway, as the author is saying, let's come close, let's draw near. Don't draw away, don't check out, don't say, I don't want to go to church anymore, I don't want to go to synagogue, I don't want to be involved with the Jesus movement. Don't do that, draw near. He's encouraging them, draw near. In verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, we continue. Let us hold fast. You can picture your grip holding tight. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering because he who promised is faithful. So hold on. And let us consider how to stimulate each other to love and good deeds. How to stimulate each other. If I tickled Bobby over here and he started giggling, I'm stimulating him. But we're stimulating each other to love and to good deeds. Let us think about ways that we can tickle each other. Well, not really, but stimulate one another to love and good deeds. In verse 23, not forsaking or assembling together. This is important. This is what we recite each time we do our examine as a church. Let's not forsake our assembling together, as is the habit of some, but keep encouraging each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church but to prepare us for the coming of the Lord? Really, what we are doing is preparing ourselves, making sure that when the Lord returns, we're not caught red-handed, but we're prepared, a holy people. In verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. What is the author talking about here? What is this switch now all of a sudden talking about sin? Is he talking about let us no longer go on sinning willfully? In other words, don't commit murder or perjury or lying or stealing or don't commit adultery. Actually, I think what the author is talking about here when he says let us not go on sinning willfully, 
what he's talking about in the context, in the context of the Hebrews and their sufferings and wanting to leave and depart from the community, what the author, I think, is saying when he says, don't go on sinning willfully, what he's saying is, stop neglecting the church community. Stop neglecting the faith. Stop neglect, don't, let's not go on willfully, let's not go on willfully neglecting the community of God. That, I think, is what the author is saying when you take into, con- when you take into account the context So don't go on sinning willfully. In other words, don't step away from the faith during this time of duress. Because there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, in verse 27, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. We continue with verse 28. This is the key. Anyone who has set aside that phrase, set aside the law of Moses, that, I think, unpacks everything. What the author is saying is if you disregard disregard the faith. If we set aside the law of Moses, those who disregarded the faith, the law of Moses, they died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. This is Old Testament stuff. But now, New Testament stuff, verse 29, how much severer punishment do you think we will deserve who have trampled underfoot the Son of God? How much severer punishment for those of us who have trampled underfoot the Son of God. How many of you saw uh, Martin Scorsese's latest movie, Silence? And the story about Japanese Christians who, uh, I think it was called the Fumi Boards, but there was a cross on it. And the test of their faith was to step on the cross, to trample underfoot. The author here is saying the punishment is there if we trample underfoot the Son of God. Now you might say, But we live in America in 2018. Nobody is challenging us. Nobody is telling us to step on the cross. We don't experience this kind of suffering. But what I want to argue today is that in subtle ways, culture around us today, every day, even in the midst of what we think are religious freedoms, our culture still still makes us every day step on the cross. And for us as a church, the call is to be counter-cultural. Almost done. This is a long reading, but let's finish here. Verse 30, For we know God who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and all kinds of sufferings, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners, those who were imprisoned for the faith. And you accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. I mean, think about that. Let's say you have a home in Katy. $150,000 or something like that. And because you came out as being a Christian, the government seized your property and you had to move in with some other Christians. This was the suffering they were undergoing. You showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. So that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. 
For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he or she shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Let's read all together, all together now, the last verse. If you could say this with me as it appears on the screen. If it's, there you go. Let's read this together. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Can we do that one more time with affirmation? But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What I want to talk about today are three tools to build the community of God. A lot of you know that Woven, this is our, we're in our fifth year as a church. And it's interesting, it was November 15th, 2010, when I moved to Houston. Houston, this, that day was the start. So I'm on the verge of my ninth year as a Texan. And in the years of being a pastor in this city, I've experienced the ups and downs of the church. And so what we're going to talk about today is in this season of Woven's life, how can we build the community? And what I want to do today is have a crucial conversation with you. It's going to be kind of crucial. I want to keep it pastoral as well. And so what I want to talk about are three tools. And if we could raise the house lights just a little for folks writing notes who fill in the blanks. Three tools that will build our community that come from Hebrews chapter 10. Those three tools are, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, just from the get-go, the answers. This is the answer key. Number one, get a little more closer. Get a little more closer. And number two, hold on a little more tighter. And number three, consider the community a little bit more. So number one, get a little more closer. Number two, hold on a little more tighter. And number three, consider the community a little bit more. Those are our three headings for today. And um, I'm going to expound these one by one. But before I launch into these three headings, I, I just want to kind of, can I just shoot from the hip? I just kind of square and just speak freely. Permission to speak freely. Permission granted. All right? This is what I want to say. Friends, as we enter into our fifth year as a church community, as I enter into my ninth year as a, minister, as a pastor in this city, the truth of the matter is we can't have a party if there's no party. We can't build a community if no one decides to show up. And lastly, we won't be able to plant this church if no one's here on Sunday. That's just me shooting from the hip. And I know that that's laden with shame and guilt. Pastor, you're making me uncomfortable today. In fact, all of those three applications has one word in common. More. More, more, more. And that's not a good way to do ministry. Bonifer is right. You all have to be free. Nobody participates in a church. Nobody comes to church on Sunday 
out of obligation or because the pastor said so. You are free. You have to be free to come and go as you see fit. But I also have to say this church will never get planted if we're not here and we're not together. So here's the light side of it. I asked my dad. I said, Dad, you're 80 years old. You're turning 80 today. Thank God for your health. Uh, not, not today. My dad's turning 80 this year. And I said, Dad, you, were, you, were, you joined Sujung, Sujung Gyoe in New York, where I grew up, 30 years ago. And you were part of that church, the same church for 30 years you were part of that church. Who does that these days? Not only that, you, you were part of the original core team, and you've been an elder in that church, a beloved elder of that community for decades. And I asked him, how did you do it? And what do you do when, when a church is, is kind of stagnant? And, and you know, when, when, when you know, it's Sundays are hit or miss, you know, I understand summer season. Heck, I, I am gone for summer season a lot. I travel a lot too. The fall season is the time when we want to be together and we want to reboot our community. So I said, Dad, how do I address this? How do I talk about this? Because I'm a pastor and I don't want to guilt or shame my people. And my dad said this. He said in his Korean accent, "Uh, Wayne, go soft. And I said, Dad, you're soft. You're softy. You're soft. What, what if I'm too soft? What if, what if what my people need finally is a pastor that says, if you don't show up on Sunday, then this is going to happen and all? What if I just came out strong one day, which is really completely out of character for me? You all know me well enough. Um, in fact, going strong is the prevailing culture today. Politically, it's, it's what's happening. It's just not who I am. It's just not what I am. I said, Dad, what if I'm too soft? You know what my dad said? He's like Mr. Miyagi in his Korean accent. Ah, no, still softer, better. Softer, better than harder. Do softer, Wayne. And I'm taking this tact, and I'm telling you this story, this this cute story about my, my beloved old man, because that is the way the author of Hebrews is addressing his beloved community. The author knows full well that his people are under duress. And I'm not saying that we're all under duress. We're under different cultural conditions today. In fact, if I was not a pastor, and I'm going to tell you straight and honest, if I was not a pastor, I probably would not be in church every Sunday. I probably would be spending a lot of time doing my own thing. It's just, it's just the, 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 the society we live in today. But the author of Hebrews, as much as he could go hard, and there are times where it sounds like he's going hard, if you listen carefully to the language that the author of Hebrews is using, actually soft, softer better, softer better than hard. That's what he's doing. And it's fun. Because what the author is doing here are three words. These are the three tools. Three words that he uses, that he speaks softly to his community. You see, the author of Hebrews could use the imperative tone. And if you know grammar, the imperative mood 
You know, the Greek language doesn't just have past, present, and future tense. It also has moods. And the imperative mood is like, it's like a command. It's like a command. So am I correct in saying today's Veterans Day? How many veterans do we have in the house? Please raise your hand high. High. So I want us to recognize our veterans. I want us to recognize our veterans. Bobby served in the Gulf War. What would it be like, Bobby, if your drill sergeant said, would you please get down and give me 30? Right now? <laughs> and that's the thing. The author of Hebrews does not adopt an imperative tone. Get down and give me 30. He doesn't adopt this forceful tone. What he adopts is something called the subjunctive mood. And the subjunctive mood offers possibility, even a question mark behind it. It can be translated, maybe can you give me drop down and give me 30? Might you give me? Not only does it have, and you can translate the subjunctive with the word should, could, might, might you, might you. Not only that, but it's in the first person plural. First person plural. So what the, what the author of Hebrews is doing is he's not saying, might you get down? He's, he's in it with you. And I love that. He's saying, let's do this together. Might we, please, might we get down? Might we get down and just give us 30? Might we together? Okay, as you were, as you were, soldier. He's saying in the first person plural, might we do this together? Might we consider together Three verbs, three verbs in that subjunctive mood. Softer, better than harder. It's not just to you, but for me. Might we draw close, draw near? Secondly, might we hold on and might we consider the community? Those are the three tools and the three moods. Let me unpack them one by one. The first fill in the blank is get a little more closer. Get a little more closer, which comes from verse 22. He does not say, draw near. He doesn't say, get together. He doesn't say, convene. He says in the subjunctive, it's translated, let us. And it's accurately translated. You can translate it by saying, might we, might we draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Now that word, draw near, is one word in the Greek. Again, I told you it's the subjunctive. But that one word in Greek is pros erchemai. Pros erchemai, it's two words put together. Pros means towards. Erchemai means come. It's like the Asian language, it's backwards. Towards come. Towards come. Now that sounds so needy. So needy. If I, as a pastor, showed up on Sunday and I said, please, please, Towards come, towards come, you would you'd run for the you'd run for the doors because you're saying this church is so needy and I'm tired of it. And if you were to leave that environment, you'd be justified. You would be justified. Bonifer would be the first one to tell you that community is not healthy. The neediness. So what is the author saying when he says, towards come, towards come? He's not saying, what he's saying in particular is towards come with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. What he's talking about is draw near to God. Towards come to God. Don't be afraid. Might we draw closer to God? 
What does it look like? That's the question. For you and I, and I, what does it look like for us to get closer to God? I'll say a few things about this. Yesterday, we had a community group at our house, and we, we, did, we did a little liturgy. You know, a couple of you were there. And I found with simple words, the message in those words, I found myself on the verge, you know, just crying. I found myself drawing close to God. There are different ways that we draw near to God, but you've got to draw near. That's, 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 not, that's not, I don't think that's an unhealthy expectation. You've got to draw near to God. Whether that's in your devotions, or whether that's in our prayers, or our singing, draw near, draw near to God. But here's the other thing. How do I draw near to God? How do I draw near to God? And sometimes in my life, there have been, I talked about this in Sunday school this morning, I've been in this place where I'm just alone, isolated. It's not healthy. And in my own isolation, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to figure things out. And then my friends, when I was in my 20s, they'd call me and say, hey, Wayne, come out and play basketball. I'd say, okay. I don't feel like it. Oh, you're, you're isolating yourself. Come on out and play ball. Okay. So I would come out, and I would play basketball for two hours, and I would trash talk my friends, or we would just kind of, we would play around, we would kind of get into it. And then after two hours, what happened? My problem is solved. Whatever it was that was just confusing became clear. I understood. What I'm trying to say is when we draw near, not just to God, but when we draw near to each other, there's clarity. Clarity comes from community. When we draw near to God, Or maybe I should say, when we draw near to each other, we're also drawing near to God. I don't buy, I don't buy this culture that says, it's just me and Jesus alone, I don't need the church, and I can go to church on internet TV. I know that's a thing. I don't buy it. Church is not a church without the community. The community is the church. A church cannot be just this private me and Jesus alone. Jesus is my boyfriend. Or this private religion thing. Religion is realized with other people. So that's the first, might we? Might we get a little more closer? What does that look like? What does it look like for us to just get a little bit more closer, not only to each other, but also to God? What practices do I need to establish in my life? How can I get a little more closer? That's the first. The second, fill in the blank. Hold on. Hold on a little more tighter. Might we hold on a little more tighter? How many of you have seen this movie? How many of you have seen this movie? There's a, there's a guy, sometimes a girl, hanging on a ledge. And they're holding on. And you can see their knuckles as they hold on. It's all white. You can see the blood drain. And you can see as they're holding on to this ledge, their grip 
begins to loosen. And they're holding on. Their fingernails are holding on. And then finally, they lose their grip. And what happens? What always happens? They fall and plummet to their death, right? No. What always happens in these movies is just as they lose their grip, another hand reaches down. I mean, that's interesting. That's the social consciousness right there, that we're waiting for something. We're waiting for somebody to catch us. But nobody can catch you if you're not part, if you're not drawing near to somebody, if you're not connected, if we're not connected, if I'm not connected, there's no one to catch me. I have a friend. Um, I think I can tell you about him. He lives on the West Coast. He's a pastor. He's about 15, maybe 15 years my senior. Church planter like myself. He's been it for, in it for a long time. A big Hawaiian dude. And we call him Uncle Jim. And I, I've been calling him and reaching out to him. And Uncle Jim, you haven't returned my phone call yet. I'm waiting for you. Of course, you're watching this on live stream, aren't you? But the thing is, unless we are in these relationships to begin with, there is nobody, when you lose your grip, to reach down and catch. Do you have an Uncle Jim, big Hawaiian guy, that sometimes when you're feeling a little bit low, that it just feels good for him to come up to you and to just hug you? Do you have that? Somebody in church? I mean, I love it. Ever since we joined Kingdom City, all of these, all of these Spanish-speaking peoples, like, they, they come up, they hug me. And it's not enough to just hug you. They want to put you cheek to cheek, right? Right? And then I, my wife comes to church, and I have, like, these. <laughs> I mean, what is it like if, if nobody does that to you, or if there's no Uncle Jim or nobody to catch us? There's no, nobody to draw near to. When we lose our grip on the ledge, we, we, we do fall, and that's the end of the story, and the movie's over. Thankfully, when we draw near, we have somebody that catches us. This second piece, hold on a little more tighter. The point that I'm making is it's not so much that we're holding on to the church as much as we are held by the community. You see, it says in verse 23, again, it's the subjunctive there. Hold fast. This is not the author of Hebrews just demanding more from his people. He's not saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If that were the case, then yes, run for the hills. That's not a healthy community. It's not a healthy place to be when you have a leader that's just asking you to hold on and hold on and hold on. I don't want to be the one to say, hold on and hold on and hold on to this community. Because that would mean something is very unhealthy and broken. But listen, the word hold fast is in the subjunctive. Might we hold fast to the confession of our hope? So the first thing that the author is saying is, hold on to the faith. Can you hold on to the faith? Don't let it go. Hold on. But that still sounds like more. Now listen to this. Listen to this. That word hold fast, that word hold fast in the original language, it's kind of like kayaking. And if any of you have ever gone kayaking, when I go camping, I enjoy kayaking. 
But here's the thing. When you're on the kayak and you're inches above the water and you're paddling and you're paddling and you're paddling, you're not kayaking if you're not flipping over. Kayaking is all about flipping over. Here's the thing. You don't want to have your phone on you or you don't want to have things like your fishing kit just sitting on the top because if you flip over on your kayak, your phone or your fishing kit or your fishing rod is going to get away. It's going to float away. The word that's used here for hold fast, that Greek word katecho means tie something down, fasten it, restrain it, keep it from floating away. Keep it from floating away. The message here, the message here is if we don't fasten down our faith, it will float away from us. It will float away from us. And I think that there's a dimension to this when we consider the context of Hebrews as well. If we neglect the community, the less time or maybe the more time we spend away from the community of faith, our faith actually floats away from us. It floats away. So this second tool, hold on a little more tighter, is saying, fasten down your faith, neglecting our gathering together. As it says, as it says in verse 23, don't forsake our assembling together. Forsaking our assembly together leads to our faith floating away. I know this firsthand. When I, in my seasons, when I have not been in ministry, when I was not a pastor, the further and further away I was from the community, the easier and easier it was for me to lose my faith in apostate. How many of you have ever heard the name Ted Turner? Ted Turner, founder of the TNT broadcast network. Doesn't he own like a baseball franchise as well? The Braves, the Atlanta Braves. Ted Turner, he said, now this guy's an atheist. Well, he's not a Christian, at least. He said in his life, in his youth, he got born again three times. He got saved. He wanted to become a missionary or was interested in ministry. This is somebody that was a Christian. But he said, the more I got away from the church, the better I felt. The more I got away from the church, the better I felt. Here's the thing. Ted Turner is right. The Sunday morning I miss, I really could play the other extra nine holes. Those times that I miss, I'm actually, I could, right now, I'd be happier. Sipping a latte, I slept in, and reading the paper with jazz music playing in the background or something. Ted Turner is right. It is, life seems to get easier. Seems to get easier. But the thing is, the more time away, if we haven't fastened down our faith, the neglect of the community, well, let's just say that losing our faith or stepping away from our faith gets easier and easier and easier and easier. Friends, might we hold on a little more tighter? Or 
might we be held a little more tighter. That word hold fast, I think it's not so much about us holding fast. If I could just leave this thought with you. It's not so much about me holding on. I don't want to tell you more. Hold on to the church. Hold on to this church more. I don't want to say that. I want to say we're not holding fast. You are held fast. We are held fast. We are held fast. There are others. So might we hold on? The third and last tool to community, to building the community, is to consider the community a little bit more. Think about the community. Let us consider, this comes from verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us think about, right? like I said before, let us think about how to tickle each other in a good way, how to stimulate one another. You know, if I can call out one, one person here, if I can call out Anthony, and, you know, the times that I spend with Anthony, he's talking about, I've got these coworkers at the office that I want to bring to church, or I'm going to bring them to the Wednesday noonday exam, and I'm excited because I have these ideas. Now, clearly, listen to this. Clearly, you have someone here who's been contemplating, reflecting, considering how to stir the community on towards love and good deeds. Or when some of you say, I want to host the next community group, you are considering, you're thinking about, this is going to be good. Forget about woven. This is just going to be good for the community. This is going to be good for the togetherness. This is going to create that woven fabric that we are, where you are held fast. This is the thinking about. This is the thinking. This is the considering. Or let me call out Francis as well. When Francis hosts, I'm sorry, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but this is praise. When Francis hosts at her home, Right, this is all about the Thomases today. When Frances hosts at her home, you realize she pulls out all the stops. The food is enough to serve 20 people, even if there's just five. And then she says, take it home. Now clearly this is contemplation going on. That in the hours and hours it takes to prepare stuff, this is thinking. Let us consider, let us cogitate. The word there, consider in the Greek, it means to think, to reflect, to thoroughly contemplate. I hope I didn't embarrass you all back there, family. Let us think about it and reflect on it. And again, it's not you. It's us. In closing, what I'm saying is this church community cannot be built by me. I know I'm the quote-unquote pastor and the church planter. But if I'm, if, 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 and this is, this is probably my issues. This is probably some of my own issues. If I'm taking that responsibility completely upon myself to plant this church, there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with us. I don't want to be like Sam Malone on the last episode of Cheers. Or just the last, first one in, last one out. Just turn off the lights. Might we all together consider this community? Might we consider what would spur 
each other on towards love and good deeds. Might we consider who around us needs Jesus and that would benefit from a free dinner on a Saturday night? Might we consider that our participation on a Sunday morning actually furthers the work of God on earth? Might we consider that our relationship to someone here actually builds that woven, that woven connection where I'm not holding fast to somebody, but I'm held fast. Just want to invite the worship team back up. Maybe we can dim the lights again. And, or actually, let's just keep it, keep it like that. And just um, reflect on this community. I know this was a crucial conversation. Was it softer than harder? I hope it was. I hope that the appeal to love, not guilt, not shame, I hope it's the appeal to love. I really, really do. The appeal to love that stirs you to build the kingdom of God. If it's not this church, build something. Build some community. Build some kingdom of God somewhere. Just want to um, transition here and want to turn the mic over. I've asked Paul to close out my talk today. Paul is the newest member of our LT. So I've given him voice, and I want him to speak about a few things, including announcements today. Thanks, Wayne. You know, as Pastor Noah was talking, um, you talk about celebrated our nine-year anniversary um, on Wednesday. By celebrate, I use that term very loosely. I was in Las Vegas for a conference um, so while I was celebrating. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it's interesting. We wrote each other, you know, Every, every year, we've kind of slowly gone away from the, uh, the presence and more towards just, you know, and even less of the, even the date and the dinner and more of just, hey, we're content with just a card. And what's interesting is this year, in both of our cards to each other, long cards. I mean, I, I spent time, I typed mine up before I wrote it. I don't like making mistakes in my card. Um, but in what I wrote and then what I read from her side, she's not here, so I'm that's good, so I'm not embarrassing her. Almost the entirety of the message was about ourselves, right? Just like I'm writing about myself and where I've fallen short of the promises I made nine years ago. <clears throat> and likewise, she's done the same. And it's interesting because both of our, our cards and our messages were about, man, we got to do, I got to do better in my spiritual journey. And what's interesting is while we parent together and while we live together, we really haven't journeyed together spiritually. And we, we both recognize that. And I think it's the same thing here. We, we can church together and we can, you know, we can uh, talk to each other and we can do all that stuff. But until we start journeying together on this path that God has called us in this woven life and this community, is 
until then, we're not going to experience the, the, the greatness of God's love for us as a community. So um, the other thing I, I'll mention, too, is, you know, I've, I tend to be one of those guys, and you, you talked about it with your father, Pastor Wayne, 30 years at the same church. And these days, you, see, you look around in and, and, and the workplace, and people are fickle. They move from job to job these days. You know, gone are those days where people stuck around at one company for 30 years, collected their pension, and whatever it might be. Those days are long gone. You know, the millennial generation has, has proven that we need, they need something different you know, every other year. And I, I guess I'm cold, cut from the old school cloth of, man, I, I stick around. And, you know, because if you stick around, it's not that you say, see the same people for 30 straight years. They're doing it for me, right? <laughs> There's new people coming in all the time, and I don't have to go anywhere. Um, but the beauty of it is I, I found that as I've grown older, it's less about, you know, the breadth of people that I know, but more the depth of the relationships that I have. And the word that came up with me and Shelly in both of our cards was intentionality, right? You can have all these opportunities with all these people, but until you're intentional, like Shelly and I need to be, about really getting deep into our spiritual journeys and intertwining it as opposed to trying to do it separately, as you mentioned, man, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be so tough. And I don't even know, we didn't even both know that we both are our hands reaching out, looking for someone to help us up. And so that being said, many opportunities here for us to grow deeper together as a church. First being this Wednesday downtown, there's a noonday exam. Um, you know, I won't personally be able to make it. I've seen Anthony, I've heard stories about Anthony bringing out half his office. I'm kidding, he's got a lot more people, so I can't wait to re- meet the rest of them, but if you can, this Wednesday, noonday exam, and I think we're, we're still meeting at the same spot, which is at Fuss Saigon. Um, it's a great time. It's cold. And some, some noodle soup will, will do you well. Not only that for your spirit, but also the conversation and the exam in itself. So try to make it out this Wednesday at noon. Also, we do have community group this Saturday. Yeah. If you're interested, talk to Andrew, Pastor Wayne, uh, Ashley. It's a time for us to get together. And I have mentioned the past way, you know, every, every winter season, Shelly and I love to host. Um, I, I picked up this recipe from a buddy a long time ago on, on gumbo. And yeah, I know people look at me like, you don't know how to make gumbo. I don't. <laughs> he knows how to make gumbo and he taught me how to do it. So, you know, um, join, you know, w- once that comes out, I'll, there'll be more details. I want to host a big party. You know, I, I'm a party guy, by the way. I don't know if you know that. I mean, heck, I was in Vegas, right? Um, so come join us, you know, whenever we, we make that announcement. Vegas um, on my anniversary, believe that. Um, what else is there? And also the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it's our decoration party. So you see this, you see this, uh, the sanctuary here? This is the Lord's sanctuary, but we want to be able to make it our sanctuary with God, right? God's not going to magically make this place look as beautiful as it needs to be. We need to help and, and, and participate. So on the 26th of November... Come after work, I think it's 6 o'clock. We're going to have a decoration party and a cookie contest. Um, I'm going to brag about my wife. She's a great baker, and um, I can attest to the quality of her baked goods. I want you guys to be able to participate in that too. So make plans on your calendar. We're still a couple weeks out. There's plenty of time to get ready for it. So the 26th of November, more details to come. And all these announcements can be found on our website. Um, Feel free to go to wovenchurch.org. Um, and you'll see all these announcements there and much more. And, you know, again, I, I implore you guys, I challenge you guys, I challenge myself 
um, to, to church together, to community together, to fellowship together, and to hold tighter. That said, we're going to do some more worship songs.